Good morning, my brothers, the gift givers that belong to me, and welcome to a daily Course in Miracles conference call where we read from the original edition of ACIM, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. Today we're in Chapter 30, Section 4, Beyond All Idols, Paragraphs 38 to 48, and you can access an original edition on your device by going to jcim.net, and you will see a link that says Online Edition on the menu bar. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to the beloved uh, webmaster, Reverend Rita, for <laughs> updates on our site. Reverend Rita? Okay, thank you. Uh, well, yes, there's been some changes. Uh, the First of all, when you go to jcim.net, you'll see on the menu there's quite a few uh, more selections. One is, and I made it more obvious, it's the Las Vegas conference. And I have actually uh, made the decision that I will, Chris, my beloved Chris and I will be going. So I invite you to go to that link and check it out. Uh, it gives you some information and some other links to go to. But uh, I think it's doable for me if I only go for two days and not five. And uh, the uh, Rio Hotel is uh, more affordable than New York. So I just wanted to point people to that link and to think perhaps maybe we could have a reunion in Las Vegas of all places. But also there's, uh, there's a translation project link that I put up there just to let you know uh, how things are going. The German might come out in time uh, this year, perhaps in celebration of the 50th year anniversary. So they're heading toward doing that. In fact, one of the people on the project is going to be at the Las Vegas conference, not Maz, but uh, another uh, a woman. So, uh, and, and hopefully Maz, that, wouldn't that be wonderful? I'll have to talk to that person. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Uh, we've... Um, we got the okay from the person who sells the audiobook of, of original edition. And this audiobook was by Kelly Love. And I don't know how many people know Kelly. Tom Whitmore was able to meet Kelly. He has passed on into the light now, but Tom was able to meet him uh, uh, years ago. And he is a beloved voice. He is, for me, he is the voice of A Course in Miracles. And he, uh, his audios are going to be 20% off. They've okayed Love Productions, who creates them. Uh, we just sell them in our store. They've given the okay once again this year. So uh, that uh, as soon as I figure out how to do uh, the sale on our new store, <laughs> which will be momentarily, uh, we're, we're going to have our sale. I think that's it, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, Reverend Regent, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, today's lesson 315, all gifts my brothers, a.k.a. webmasters, give belong to me. So on behalf of this entire community, I cannot pronounce my gratitude enough for all the work that you do so that we have access to um, the original edition. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I am You're my, here. I'm so blessed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Girl. No, no, it's a blessing. Absolutely. <laughs> And you guys are a blessing to me. Gratitude party. Although I do have issues with um, that Vegas thing. I have such judgment to get that against that town. Oh, it's perfect. And that isn't that perfect? It's I perfect. Know. It's savior. I, <laughs> I have to go there for business, and I always. Oh, oh. 
How you, it's going to transform that now. When you go, if you go to the conference and it transforms your view of Vegas, and when you go there for business in the future, it'll be totally transformed. Right. All my gifts, all gifts, my brothers, including the Las Vegas residents, give belong to me. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Um, all right. So finally, we ask that you mute your phone at all times unless you are speaking by using your own mute function. So has anyone joined the call that would love to get on the reading list or say good morning? It's Mary. Good morning, Hi, Mary. And then anyone else? All right. I'm going to turn the call over to Sharon for our centering prayer. Sharon? Thanks, Chris. Dear Mother, Father, God, thank you for the immensity of our wills. I am learning that we can have everything of value, and it is our will that we do so. But when we side with the ego, we ask for very tiny things, very temporary things, and hope against hope that they satisfy us. We believe on the surface that they can, but really we know they cannot and do not and believe we know how to discover that which truly brings us happiness. Attempting to find satisfaction in this world is a little like the greatest blue whale on earth seeking contentment in a waiting pool. Our disappointment is a gift. For if we were to be long deceived that we are fulfilled by that which is meaningless, we would not look beyond this world of limitation. I love these words of our dear brother Jesus. Quote, decide for idols and you ask for loss. Decide for truth and everything is yours. Unquote. He teaches us that we cannot find joy in form, though I know you can shine through form and bring us life. But form in and of itself is made of idols. Idols are like shiny objects in the beak of a crow or jewels guarded by smog the dragon or the gold counted endlessly by King Midas. Could either smog or this greedy king ever be happy? Can ego ever be content? Even a crow quickly tires of his treasure. Can we possibly be fulfilled when we identify ourselves with this tiny substitute for what we truly desire? Jesus, you instruct us, quote, it is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God the Son? Unquote. It is true. We do not want anything less than love or joy, the real love and joy, peace, or freedom. When we believe greater wealth or prestige or earthly power will bring us joy, 
we soon find the hollow ring of what we sought. Do we soon learn the futility of this pursuit of transient things? Or do we change one goal for another, only to be let down again? Jesus, you say, quote, you do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose, unquote. So, what is its purpose? I ask once again. You guide us where not to look in your very first lesson. Quote, Nothing I see in this room, on this street, from this window, in this place, means anything. In lesson 11, you guide us to discover that Quote, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. In lesson 13, we are taught that, quote, a meaningless world engenders fear. And in lesson 13, we learn that we have invented the world we see. So I am finding that it is only fear of nothingness that leads me to chase after idols. Yet, idols reveal themselves to be nothing. There must be another way. Another way to find fulfillment. Jesus, you explain, quote, Beyond all idols is the thought of God holds of you. Completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world the dreams of birth and death that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take, quite undisturbed. The thought of God holds of you remains exactly as it always was, surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sounds of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality, kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God, unquote. I open my heart to the stillness now. I remove the dagger of self-hatred from this heart. I find in its place an open space where a soft vibration builds. It is so sweet. It warms me as deeply as I know how to allow. It is your holy touch upon my mind, and my mind sings. I remove the dagger from my heart again today. It is a stab of impatience, dissatisfaction, self-doubt, regret, and fear of being found inadequate. As much as the pursuit of recognition and prestige, these are also idols. 
but they never create a sense of even temporary fulfillment. I ease the dagger from my heart today. And in its place, I find you. I hold you dear and breathe you in. You are the healing force and all I could ever want. For dear Mother, Father, God, I am made of you and I am yours. I belong to you and you are my abundant fountain of all I could ever want. Let me play in your waters and laugh and bring the other children in with me for we have much to celebrate today. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon. Thank you. Beyond All Idols, 38. Idols are quite specific, but your will is universal, being limitless. And so it has no form, nor its content for expression in the terms of form. Idols are limits. They are the belief that there are forms which bring happiness and that, by limiting, is all attained. It is if you said, quote, I have no need of everything, and this little thing I want, and it will be as everything to me. Hmm, quote. And this must fail to satisfy because it is your will that everything be yours. Decide for idols and you ask for loss. And decide for truth and everything is yours. Sharon, 38 and 39, please. Idols are quite specific. But your will is universal, being limitless. And so it has no form nor is content for its expression in the terms of, uh, of form. Idols are limitless. They are the belief that there are forms which will bring happiness and that by limiting is all attained. <laughs> it is as if you said, quote, I have no need of anything, everything. I have no need of everything. This little thing I want and it will be as everything to me, unquote. And this must fail to satisfy because it is your will that everything be yours. Decide for idols and you ask for loss. Decide for truth and everything is yours. It is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God, the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God the Son? What idol can make two of what is one? And can the limitless be limited? You do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose. So you see your will within the idol, thus reducing it to a specific form. Yet, 
this could never be your will, because what shares in all creation cannot be content with small ideas and little things. Thank you, Sharon. Lee, 39 and 40, please. It is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God the Son? What idol can make two of what is one? And can the limitless be limited? You do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose. So you will see your will within the idol, thus reducing it to a specific form. Yet this could never be your will, because what shares in all creation cannot be content with small ideas and little things. 40. Behind the search for every idol lies the yearning for completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. To seek a special person or a thing to add to you, to make yourself complete, can only mean that you believe some form is missing. And by finding this, you will achieve completion in a form you like. This is the purpose of an idol that you will not look beyond it to the source of the belief that you are incomplete. Only if you had sinned could this be so. For sin is the idea you are alone and separated off from what is whole. And thus it would be necessary for the search for wholeness to be made beyond the boundaries of limits on yourself. Thank you, Lee. Reverend Reja, 40 and 41, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40. Behind the search for every idol lies the yearning for completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. To seek a special person or a thing to add to you to make yourself complete can only mean that you believe some form is missing. Just a moment. And by finding this, you will achieve completion in a form you like. This is the purpose of an idol, that you will not look beyond to its source of the belief that you are incomplete. Only if you had sinned could this be so. For sin is the idea you are alone and separated off from what is whole. And thus it would be necessary for the search for wholeness to be made beyond the boundaries of limits on yourself. 41. It never is the idol that you want, but what you think it offers you, you want indeed and have the right to ask for, nor could it be possible to be denied. Your will to be complete 
is but God's will. And this is given you by being His. God knows not form. He cannot answer you in terms which have no meaning. And your will could not be satisfied with empty forms made but to fill a gap which is not there. It is not this you want. Creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? Thank you, Reverend Rija. Fran, 41 and 42, please. 41. It never is the idol that you want, but what you think it offers you, you want indeed and have the right to ask for. Nor could it be possible it be denied. Your will to be complete is but God's will, and this is given you by being His. God knows, not form. He cannot answer you in terms which have no meaning, and your will could not be satisfied with empty forms made but to fill a gap which is not there. It is not this you want. Creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? 42. Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were change in him, if he could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in him, he would not be as God created him. What idol can he need to be himself? For can he give a part of him away? What is not whole cannot make whole, but what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole, completely loving thought God holds of you. Thanks, Fran. Paula, 42 and 43. Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were chance, if there were change in him, he could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in him. He would not be as, son cre- as God created him. What idol can he need to be himself? For can he give a part of him away? What is not whole cannot make whole. But what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole completely lovely, loving thought God holds of you. 43. Nothing that God knows not exists. Nothing that God knows not exists. And what he knows exists forever, changelessly. But thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God, there is no ending, nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. 
Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator, nor they have a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind, as you are in the mind which thought of you. The thoughts you think are in your mind, as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exist within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united, and at peace. Thank you, Paula. Carl, 43 and 44, please. Nothing that God knows not exists, and what he knows exists forever, change, and what he knows exists forever, changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as, for thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them, and in the mind of God there is no ending nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator, nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind, and you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united, and at peace. 44. Thoughts seem to come and go, yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness, yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same within the interval when you forgot. Thank you, Carl. Mary, 44 and 45, please. Thoughts seem to, <coughs> Excuse me. Thoughts seem to come and go. Yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. As unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought of The thought of God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same within the interval when you forgot. 45. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought of God holds of you 
is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not it is there. Yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time it was not there. No instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. Thank you, Mary. So do we have a new reader for 45 and 46, please? All right, Sharon, 45 and 46, please. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought of God holds a view. The thought God holds a view is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know it is there. No, not it is there. We read that again. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not it is there. Yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time it was not there. No instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. Who knows the Father knows this light? For he is the eternal sky which holds it safe, forever lifted up, and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. The sky embraces it and softly holds it in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps this star invisible to earth, but those who seek for idols cannot know this star is there. Thank you, Sharon. Lee, 46 and 47, please. Who knows the Father knows this light, for he is the eternal sky which holds it safe, forever lifted up and anchored sure. It's perfect, excuse me, it's perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. The sky embraces it and softly holds it in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps this star invisible to earth. But those who seek for idols cannot know this star is there. 47. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you. Completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take, quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was, 
surrounded by a stillness so complete no sound of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God. In perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home, the thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator, whom it knows, as its creator knows that it is there. Thank you, Lee. And Reverend Regis, 47 and 48, please. Thank you. Uh, 47. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you. Completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death that are here dreamed, that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take. Quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was, surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God, in perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home. The thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator whom it knows as its creator knows that it is there. 48. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is. For there the mind of father and son join in creation which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one. Nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not then that idols must keep hidden what you are. Not from the mind of God, but from your own. The star shines still. The sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Thank you, Reverend Rija. And Fran, 48, please. 48. Where could the thought of God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in the world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and son joined in creation, which can have no end. You can have not two realities, but one nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not, then, that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, 
but from your own. The star shines still. The sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Thank you, Fran. The floor is open. God, I wish I understood that. That's a prayer, amen. Amen to that, Rob. This is Lee. This section is called Beyond All Idols. And I think he's introducing me to the idea that not only do idols prevent me from knowing my identity, but they prevent me from knowing anything as it really is or seeing anything uh, as they really are. Um, idols are the activity of distortion that stands between me and the recognition of anything as it is. Um, he, he starts in that first paragraph. And maybe I'll just uh, talk for a moment here and then perhaps a little later about other things. But what really stood out for me was how much he encompasses the whole of this, um, of this section in this first paragraph. He tells me, idols are quite specific, but your will is universal, being limitless. And so it, my will, has no form, nor is content for its expression in terms of form. Idols are limits. They're the belief that they're forms which will bring happiness. And that by limiting is all attained. That's a, that's a formula for me to understand that my will wants to encompass everything limitlessly. And what my search for idols does is take everything and reduce it to what the ego tells me I want or need for my completion. So, so the, whole, the whole section walks me through how it is I want to take and limit all that's offered me to the few things I think I want or need. And that slaps a specific form onto things that could be understood much differently. The ego will slap a form onto it, make it desirable, and set me in search of attaining it. But this is the key in that first paragraph. It's as if you said, I have no need of everything. No, thank you. This little thing I want. And I'll make it as everything to me. It will be as everything to me. And this, he says, must fail to satisfy because it's your will that everything be yours. It's my will that I embrace without limit and without restriction that I not stand in judgment of what's acceptable, what's desirable, 
and what will complete me. It's the it's my will that I understand that my completion equips me to accept everything completely. But he says, decide for idols, and you ask for loss. Decide for truth, and everything is yours. Um, that's just that first paragraph really sets the stage for me. Thanks, I'm complete. When you were talking, I got a little picture. You see a baby in a crib that's given a mobile to play with, and he enjoys the mobile to the exclusion of everything else. His mother and father are not there. His loving grandparents are not there. He is in the mobile and playing with it, and then it's time for breastfeeding, and the mobile is moved to the side, and he becomes completely upset because the idol that he had that blocked everything else is now what he wants. He does not want to eat. He does not want his mother. He does not want the loving grandparents. He wants what he wants. And I think we are in that shape until we know that the parents' and grandparents' wills as God are what we really want, and we have to expand our mentality to understand what it is God wills for us to be, not just that specific looking for that specific. Does that help any? I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob, and thank you, Lee. Thank you, Bob. Thank, thank you, Bob. Thanks, guys. Yeah. This is Sharon. In paragraph 42, at the bottom, he says, Your will is granted, granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole, completely lovely thought that God holds of you. That uh, last phrase, lovely thought God holds of you, that, uh, that's a very touching statement and phrase for me. And that, I, I again, points out that my will is not for the petty, idolic, 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 the petty idols <laughs> that that I ask for that come and go through my life. But it's, he knows what my true will is. And he knows what truly will content me. And he gives me all that all the time. And then in paragraph 44, thoughts seem to come and go. Yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. So, Okay, just continue on. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. 
So no matter how much we forget how loved we are, how loved, how lovingly God holds us, no matter how much we forget or how far distant we are consciously from that, it never changes. And he says, it will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember and it is the same within the interval when you forgot. So it doesn't matter. We cannot mess it up. It's very comforting. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks, You know, th- th- this is Carl. Uh, I really, really like 43 and 44. Um, the way I, I see what's said here is that, uh, of course, we're a thought in the mind of God. Um, the mind of God has had and has, it's an eternal uh, thought, this is the way I look at it, if you will, and it's love. It never changes. It's love. And from from the thought of love, God extended itself and created us through thought. And so when he created created the Son, uh, the Son has the same ability as the Father, as the Creator. And so the Son has the ability to create through thought. Thought is the basis of everything. And so when, when he says that um, thoughts seem to come and go, you know, unfortunately the son had more than just a thought of love. And that's got what got us into the pickle that we think we're in. And um, uh, so there are thoughts that the son thought beyond the thought of love. And those thoughts never leave their source. They, in here, he tells us that they they, they, they don't die. They're, they're not. They don't go away. But I think for me, the important thing is that those thoughts, when they return to our, those false thoughts, and that's what I'm talking about now, when they return to our awareness that we pay them no attention, we give them no power. I have to remember that I am the Son of God. We are the Son of God. And we are powerful beyond our understanding. And when we give false thoughts their due, we are miscreating. So it's very important for me to watch my thoughts so that I don't give any power to the false to the false thoughts and I really think what eventually or at least what I'm hoping happens is that the false thoughts that are there just end up never coming back to the surface or when they do I just laugh at them and brush them off uh, but that's kind of what 43 and 44 are saying to me. I'm complete. Yeah. 
Thank you, Carl. Yeah, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Carl. That was good. Yeah, thank you, Carl. It's Lee. One thing to consider, and and this is uh, this is uh, I really enjoy uh, bringing this out. Um, I've never noticed before that this phrase, "the thought God holds of you," is not used anywhere else in the course, but in this single section. As important as that phrase is, he uses it eight times across this section but he never uses it anywhere else in the Course. If anyone ever tells you any important concept that's going to be used throughout the Course, um, uh, this would, would be, to me, uh, a pretty strong evidence that that's not so. He's perfectly capable of bringing up very, very important concepts. Um, specific to a certain part of the text and a certain part of his instruction. The thought God holds of me, what more important concept could there be than to realize right on the end of, think about what we were told yesterday, and at the end of Rules for Decision, that we stand at the right-hand side of God in the formation of creation. That he didn't set his kingdom up alone. That not one thought that God has ever had, but, waiting our, but waited our blessing. That's your blessing and my blessing to be born. That's what God knows to be so about me and about you. And there is a thought God holds of me that is what he refers to in the Course as my identity. This identity that the whole Course in a dozen places, he says, the purpose of the curriculum is to restore to your awareness the knowledge of your identity. Or to reacquaint me, in other words, with my identity. My identity would be the thought God's hold, God holds of me. And that identity hangs like a star in a changeless sky, unaffected by all that happens across this world. That's what God knows of my being. And the knowledge of that being casts a specific orientation toward what goes on in this world that provides for me a base of safety, a base that all is well, that I'm loved, that nothing I do impacts the love my Father has for me, and that in light of what I am, there's a different way of grasping and, and appreciating everything that unfolds um, across this life and world. The lesson today told me that every gift my brother gives anywhere, and tomorrow I'm told across time, Every gift every brother has ever given is given me. And that by gratitude to my brothers for all they've given me, that's how my identity is restored to me. That there's something I'm swept up in a love current that is the base of everything I'll ever see or ever experience anywhere. And that's because of what I was created to be. 
And everything that stands in the way of that is the illusion and is illusory and falls away before this purpose of the Holy Spirit that, um, that each of us has accepted in our minds as students of this curriculum. Thanks, I'm complete. That was wonderful, Lee. Thank yeah. you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Uh, thank you, Lee. That was great. Thank you. This is uh, Carl again. I have to uh, leave, uh, but uh, I have a I have a thought <laughs> that I'd uh, like to share. It's not uh, an original thought. It's a it's something that I I wrote down that uh, came from my reading of uh, NTI. But I'd like to uh, share this thought of the Holy Spirit with you. And then uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's the thought. You give through thought. There is literally no other way to give. What you give is what is experienced. So your experience is a measure of what you give. I just thought that was... uh, Really a, a wonderful, and uh, so I wanted to share it. Thank oh, you. I'm nice. complete. You guys have a great day. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing that. You too, Carl. I really Thank like you, that. Carl. See you, buddy. Thanks, Carl. Great day. Blessed day. Come back. What, what did he mean by NTI? Anybody know? It's a New Testament interpretation. I I forget. I don't remember who did it. Oh, Regina. Regina Dawn Acres. Yeah. What? She she wrote a a book of her experience being scribed to her by the Holy Spirit. The interpretation of the um, the uh, testament. I can't quite hear. Hmm. Rob, I can walk you through how to find what Carl was referring to on the after call, if you like. Right. This is Reverend Rita Joy. And I had, I realized today in reading this that um, I hold some issues that I have in my life apart from the solution. Uh, Imagine that. And uh, I realize that it's all about uh, idols. Every every situation, every, what did I call it, issue is about an idol because it takes the place of my, who I think I am. I'm placing it out there wherever I've, uh, in whatever form I've placed it in. It could be. Well, it is. Anytime I want something different, I think that it's all about changing what is out there. And I give it credence. I give some things... Oh, sweetheart. I give some things uh, reality and credence. But none of them are worthy of that. 
So today I'm, I'm learning, wow, I can apply. God, go figure. Uh, you know, we, we're coming off of seek not outside yourself. You know, for idols will fail and you'll weep. So my completion is not out there. My completion. I am complete. I'm already complete. It's all, once again, identity. Absolutely always goes back to identity. Who do I think I am? And everything I do comes from that. And Carl said that what we experience, I think I heard him say, comes from, you know, that that thought. That thought will appear as our experience. So uh, I will know in my life it will reflect back to me what I'm identifying with. And I will stop. When I see, when I know my, con- my completion, I will stop um, looking for it in not only outside of myself, but in making changes to myself, feeling unworthy, feeling, oh, I should do this and I should do that. And I... No, it, that, will, that will stop because I will feel complete. You know, in the Course, my favorite part is where he says, um, uh, those who know themselves as whole make no demands. What an amazing concept. So if I find I'm demanding anything different than what it already is, in any way, tiny or big, <laughs> uh, I'm not coming from my wholeness. So all I need to do, I feel, is step back, uh, go into prayer, and, and feel the grace of, of who I am. As he tells me, I'm a thought in the mind of God. My will is one with my Creator. And I am whole and complete and sinless and guiltless. And now all I need to do is extend. Extend the love that I am. It always comes back to the same thing. But I was separating it and thinking that some things, no, they didn't apply. No, everything. That's great. I'll, uh, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Reverend oh. Rachel. Wow. That, yeah. was, that was huge. Something really big just clicked in me. And let's see if I can put this into words. This is Sharon. I realized that the ego that I identify with cannot help but create, okay, well, this is so silly because it's, I've heard this a million times, but I got it this time um, on, in, a, in a whole new way that it cannot but help create these thoughts that cause me pain. So I, so I just need to keep going back to the Holy Spirit and saying, I want your thoughts, I want your thoughts, I want your thoughts. I can't expect myself to come up with a new perspective if I am not asking for it to come from the Holy Spirit. I can't ask that this painful reoccurring thought that I've been having, and it's, I've been having it all my life, but it changes in form, it changes in, in texture and 
um, it, it changes in form in a sense, in thought form, um, in situation. I can't expect that to stop unless I say I only want your thoughts because it can't do anything else. Ego cannot do anything else. And so that just tells me, I'll tell you how important this is to me right now. So it, it's not as so, like in, when I was in therapy, I used to think, well, I just need to affirm positive thoughts. Well, those positive thoughts were just pink paint over the top of these painful thoughts, and they would just keep popping through. So it isn't, it's not like I can change my clothes. It's that I need to drop this whole identification totally. It can't do anything else. Ego cannot do anything else but bring me pain. What else? What else? How can I say this better? I guess I don't know how to say it better than that. But I know now what it feels like to drop it in a way that I never knew it before. And I know I can, I'm, I'm looking underneath that in a way I've never looked before, underneath it before. And it's true. It's beyond words. Oh, my God, I'm trying to put it into words, but it's beyond words. I guess I'll just let it go at that and say I'm really happy right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to me. I complete. Thank you, Sharon. That's perfect. Yeah. Happy Sharon, for you. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Thank you, Sharon. Followed you completely. <laughs> so Sharon and Reverend Rita, it's Chris, and Reverend Rita, when you were sharing, and Sharon, when you um, were explaining what I was feeling, um, Lee sent me this... <laughs> Oh, brothers give you gifts right when you're ready, right? A book called To See Differently. And there's a page in it, and it's it's basically the course and uh, written in a way that I can understand it so that I can be more supportive of everyone around me who has cancer. Um, but this is really exactly as you were stating it, Reverend Rich, I was reading it, and I'm going to paraphrase. So it says that fear stems from the belief, and I'm going to say for me, that my mind has been separated from my source and everyone. And because I find this so unbearable, I deny it by repressing it into my unconscious. And then I project this repressed fear in some form of attack on everything and everything around me. But because love isn't projected, it is extended to others. It's my natural state of being, and it has no opposition. So how can I experience this? So in today's lesson, I get to see that if I look rather than repress, because if repression and fear doesn't really have an opposite, um, I will see the love in, in everyone, and it will be mirrored back through something or someone. So in the book, um, the author, and her name is Susan Trout, she is big into uh, Russian authors, and Dostoevsky has, um, she quotes what he says, and it's amazing because I'm sure we all read this in middle school, and one of the characters writes, love God's creation, love every atom of it separately, and love it also as a whole. 
love every green leaf, every ray of God's light, love the animals and the plants, and love every inanimate object. If you come to love all things, you will perceive God's mystery inherent in all things, and once you have perceived it, you will understand it better and better every day. And finally, you will love the whole world with a total universal love. If that's not the atonement, I don't know what else is. I'm complete. Wow, perfect. Wow, thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Wonderful. That was from the brothers um, Kamarazov. His last, actually, apparently, it was his last last um, novel. So, Chris, um, is, this is an entire, an entire book. Is that right? I'm sorry. This is a book. You got an excerpt from? Yeah, it's from a book called To See Differently, Personal Growth and Being of Service Through Attitudinal Healing. So here, let me paraphrase. It's pretty simple. You accept everything the way that it is, and you see the good in everything. And she wrote 150 pages of it. But <laughs> it's, it's everything that we're learning in the course, just said a different way. Um, but she's big into the Russian guys, and she uses Dostoevsky's um, writings and his experience in life as, um, you know, a beautiful example of how what you perceive as horrible and scary and fearful is really your greatest gift. I'm complete. Thank you. Is that something you can um, put on to Skype, please? I'd be happy to. Uh, Lee, is this book even still in print? Because it looks like... Um, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't believe so, but it's, it is available on Amazon. Okay. To see differently. Susan Trout. This is Bryce. Uh, coming a little late to the call. Has anybody uh, brought up the thought God holds of you? Bryce, whether or not that has already been brought up, let's hear it from you. Bingo. So this section says, that is my reality. I've got plenty of thoughts of my own. That's not my reality, this section would say. The thought God holds of me is my reality. I got to say, I'm not thinking too much what God thinks of me when my ego is busy. I got to tell you the truth. I'm not too thoughtful of the thought God holds of me. I do hold a lot of thoughts about I wonder what others think of me when my ego is busy. I'm, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't think a lot about the thought 
got hold of me. Perhaps that's where my healing really is. This says that's my reality. God made me. God spoke me into being. I had to find out what he thinks if I want to know who I am. The Course says that my Father loves me and that is my reality. But I seem to be more interested in my own thoughts. I am more fulfilled by the thoughts I think about myself. I pray my mind would become renewed to the mind of God, of me. I'm complete. Sweet. Thank you so much, Bryce. Great. Thank you, Bryce. I keep thinking that the process of being able to follow the prayer, I will be healed, as I let him teach me to heal, is relieving myself of all the idolatry thoughts of myself and just wanting to be the loving will of God thoughts and then the infirmities that I have particularly my own thoughts and the idols that they turn me toward are relieved by forgiveness of those and turning to the Holy Spirit, which is my right mind. And then, all of the therapies of the body are obviated. You can heal at a distance because you yourself are healed, because you have attained some semblance of the thought that God had of you which is always like a shining star. Perfect. I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Welcome. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. When Jesus says, ask me which miracles you shall perform, and I have, I have people come to me, and I remember his statement that follows, this saves you 
exhaustion, and I think it's that way in the vertex. And I think of all that will have to be done to get the body out of this one. The exhaustion part is the joining of the idolatry and the semi-idolatry of the unhealed healer. And this is a work of enormous proportion, and I've done it over and over again, and I just want the one God and Jesus and forgiveness provides. And God, Jesus, as the, as the Holy Spirit and forgiveness provides. It's so hard the other way. And that is incomplete the other way. They don't... They, they, there is little chance. Like Jesus tells us as Raj, yes, some of them that I healed went back to their original state because they could not hold what we had joined together and produced. Well, without a spiritual base into the healing, and particularly without a belief that it will help you, this is, this is a mental thing, you're not even going to get the body uh, functional enough to, to still remain the vehicle. So this is the answer right here. I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thank so, you, Reverend Rita, oh, sorry. What do you say? Shall we pray? Yes. Uh, does, uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> I was just... Um, wondering, Lee had said he was going to share something later, but um... thanks, dear. No, I'm, I'm good, and it's and it's late, so. Okay. All right. Okay, and then we'll just have to go to the after call. <laughs> um, okay. We'll close our time together, our communion of souls, as we close our eyes and draw the awareness within. We just relax. We just let go. It's okay. Just for a few moments, we can let everything be exactly as it is. I heard today that my will is universal and limitless. Universal, meaning it applies to every aspect of my reality, and limitless meaning there are no boundaries, no form which could contain it. And I'm learning that idols are not universal, but specific. And that idols are not limitless, but are limits. Thus, I have a choice to make between my true will and idols. When I seek outside myself, I'm learning that I'm not truly seeking form. I do not truly want an idol. Idols are not my true will because 
true will is not to be limited. Now I'm realizing that when I have made a form take the place of what I want, I've chosen against my true will and have lost the meaning of my true desire, which is to be complete. And it cannot be found in a specific form. Idols serve a purpose, yes. When I long for an idol, which is something outside of myself for my completion, I am declaring I'm not already whole and perfect and complete. I think now of all the alcohol, all the food, all the things I've purchased, that I have asked that they give me purpose, (laughs) that they fill the gap that I think is there between an idea of my completion and my true completion. These idols stand in place of my completion, but I could never find completion in limitation and specialness, in littleness and separation. Can I drink enough alcohol, eat enough food, buy enough trinkets to fill the gap I think is there? Quote, creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? Unquote. And so we pray, Father, Mother, God, only your loving thoughts that I seek today. I open now to remembering who I am and what my true purpose is what my true will is. I have looked outside myself for my completion for far too long. And now through your guidance, I'm gaining courage and the strength to look within. My completion lies in who I am as the one self I share with all of you, all of my brothers and my creator. You tell me, quote, completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be what he is. Unquote. Guide me today, Father, Mother, God. I seek but the remembrance of what has always been. And now I hear you whisper to me with these words, quote, Nothing that God knows not, exists. And what he knows exists forever, changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God there is no ending, nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could ever suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind, as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united, and at peace. So it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, Reverend Rija. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Reverend Rija. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. I loved it.